0: This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fan-Sided Podcast Network.
1: Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. Welcome into the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I am Noah Yingling, one of the co-experts of Rocks Pile, and as always, I'm joined by Kevin Henry, my friend and fellow co-expert, who of course is traveling. Of course
0: I am. How about that? So I'm
1: at the Spokane International
0: Airport in beautiful Spokane, Washington. So you are going to hear a little bit of background noise. Noah, I'm going to just pause for just a minute and let you talk while this announcement gets done. How
1: about that? Yes. So Kevin was in San Francisco um, for the first two games of the Rockies series there, which, of course, the Rockies don't play very at least in recent years have not played very well at yeah hack bell sbc at t oracle park and it continued this weekend yeah, I, yeah it was I, this week i should say who knows what day it is it's it's baseball <laughs> who knows what day it is
0: yeah, it's been a, it was a tough series in San Francisco. You know, I, and I think Bud Black hit it on the head because he talked about it, at least in Arizona there were some positive things to take away. I think his quote at the end of the San Francisco series was that not much good happened here. You know, yeah. and, and really there's not much that you can point out outside of maybe some hitting from Jonathan Daza, uh, maybe some hitting from Jose Iglesias, but you know uh, there there really wasn't much else that you could go. This was a positive thing. Maybe and, and this is a stretch, but maybe the outing from Ty Block uh, the other night just to to stop the bleeding. Uh, but outside of that, it was it was rough.
1: By the way, I happen to see this a few minutes ago, and this is semi-related but not really. Um, the Dodgers they have selected an old friend.
0: I saw that, and and just in time, probably for the uh, redemption tour to come through for Yancy El Monte. How about that?
1: Yep. And he was dominating down in Triple A Oklahoma City.
0: Yeah, he was.
1: You know, and and that's the
0: thing is that there's always going to be those chances for rebound. And obviously, Yancey did well at Triple A. Now, will that translate over to what the Dodgers need? And will he be up long enough to actually face the Rockies? Because there's still a little bit of time until the Rocks and Dodgers get together, but it's definitely something to watch, man.
1: Yeah. By the way, for the Rockies in San Francisco, Obviously, this year they aren't off to a good start. Last year, two and eight, two and two the year before, four and six, four and six, three and six, four and six. 2015, they were six and three, surprisingly. Oh, okay. But overall, in Rockies franchise history, entering this year, the Rockies were 86 and 156 in San Francisco. Of, co- of course, the first few years were at uh, Candlestick Park slash 3Com Park at Candlestick Point. I, yep. What is it with San Francisco and having to change the names? You know, there's okay. just
0: a lot. There's a lot of great advertisers out there, as opposed <laughs> to Coors. You know, and just sticking with that. To see, you know, Colorado's happy with theirs. San Francisco just keeps dancing around. Come on,
1: I think it's a scam, but
0: <laughs> and, and it might be that too. But but you know, the thing is that the, what we saw at uh, Oracle. Is unfortunately, you know, I, I don't hold a lot of confidence for the next time they go out to San Francisco. Are those things going to be changed? Uh, you know, unfortunately, it's just something that this, this team has trouble hitting on the road. And so I think that we've got to figure out, uh, you know, as fans, what is it that we can really point to as a positive when this team is on the road outside of if they get the win or not? You know, can they actually show some kind of progression, some kind of positive signs from this time in san francisco to the next time
1: and one thing that we mentioned on the last podcast which by the way my three and three prediction yeah that didn't really work out too well um for austin gomber he was atrocious to start his career in oracle park meeting last year yeah and this year it continued i now granted it's only one start so far but he had five and a third innings, five hits, five runs, all earned, two walks, three punch-outs. That's not going to get the job done.
0: It's not. And and the problem is, you know, and, and one thing that I wanted to ask and, and didn't, but it'll probably come up at some point soon, you know, because you're coming off Philadelphia now. Let's look back at that four-game sweep. You've got Arizona where, you know, they at least won one and sweep in San Francisco. You know, how much pressure is that putting on? the Rockies pitching, you know, huh. it, knowing that, you know, and, and granted, cool, cool and Gomber to the new guys, you know, and, and all that stuff. But still, is it something that it tur- put, turns up the pressure on the starting pitching? And my guess is even if they won't admit it, it is something obviously that they know if they give up three runs, you know, we saw it on Twitter. And I think the, all, all the Rockies fans felt like, well, the game's over, you know, you give up yeah. three runs.
1: Yeah. One run is like six there. Yeah. for the Rockies.
0: Yeah, and, and again, that was their first trip of the year to San Francisco. They've still got all the trips to Petco. They've still got all the trips to Dodger Stadium. You know, So I, I think that there's, there's some things that if you're a Rockies fan, you're absolutely concerned that this team still hasn't figured out how to hit on the road and isn't showing signs that they're going to figure it out anytime soon.
1: And Petco and Dodger Stadium, you have longer than four-game series there this year. Yeah. Doubleheaders. Six game series with the Dodgers to end the year. It's that it's going to be their Achilles heel. If if they don't make the playoffs, which is let's be honest, most likely, um, it's going to be because of that. I mean, let's call it like we see it.
0: And, and I think that that then ramps up the pressure to perform well at home. You know, you can't slip up. You've got to sweep a Cincinnati. You know, you cannot have a, a misstep whenever a team comes in that you're supposed to beat. You know, and, and granted, uh, you know, we were talking in San Francisco about, you know, the Padres coming back in for Father's Day this year and all the memories of what the, that series was like a couple of years ago and the impact that it had on the rest of the season for the Rockies. I believe that was 2019, you know, it's really something that you've got to think about. Can they win the games they're supposed to win at course, and then steal some on the road? Now, Pittsburgh, Washington, you know, there are some places where they can steal some wins maybe, but they've still got the trip to St. Louis. We know they don't do well at Bush. They've still got the trip to Miami. We know they don't do well in South Florida. You know, they've got the weird uh, Minnesota Miami swing. I think it is coming up, you know, so that'll be an interesting to watch. So, um, but, but it was definitely something that I think was disheartening to a lot of folks who thought the Rockies might be able to figure it out on the road to watch this home or this road trip. And, you know, everybody kind of blew off the Philly series. Just like, oh, it's just, you know, everything came together as bad. There there wasn't that excuse here. It it just wasn't.
1: Yeah. And. Speaking of games at Coors Field and having to win them, they're going to be facing the Royals. Just yep. start their longest home stand of the year starting tomorrow. As we're recording this on Thursday, the Royals are an atrocious team. Like, yep. They are just awful. They're entering Thursday. They were ten and eighteen, and that's with the run differential. It's surprising that they are actually that. They they've actually got that good of a record. But you look at their offense and you're like, okay, Bobby Witt, I mean, he's their, the top prospect, one of the top prospects in baseball. He's improved, and he has a 69 OPS plus. Salvador Perez isn't hitting well. Carlos Santana's on the injured list. Mondesi's always on the injured list. He is again. um the total offense has an OPS plus of 77. They're hitting 218 with a sub, five, uh, sub 600 OPS overall. Their pitching staff, they are dead last in the American League in ERA. They have an 86 ERA plus. You have to sweep them. Period.
0: Well, you, you would say that, yes, and being at Coors, absolutely. But I know what the Diamondbacks were putting up before the Rockies went into Arizona and dropped two out of three. Now, granted, Arizona's pitching has been phenomenal so far this year on the starting side, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one game that the Rockies, uh, dare I say, stole was because Melanson fell apart in the ninth inning. Uh, but, you know, their starters have been great. Kansas City doesn't exactly have a, a Bud Black and a Brett Saberhagen in there on the mound right now. Even though yeah, I mean, they've of, got
1: Zach Greinke, but... Yep. Who I believe is
0: starting the first game of the series, if I remember right.
1: Um,
0: Or he's at least making an appearance during the series.
1: Right now, they have not officially announced any of their starters, which is uh, a okay.
0: nice thing. I think we were trying to figure that out in the press box. I think Greinke fell during that, but uh, anyway, we'll we'll see what happens.
1: We will better. get our crack research team on it right now. <laughs> exactly. And, our crack research team is saying that, yes, projected starter would, uh, the lining up would be Zach Greinke game. Okay. One.
0: Okay. So in theory, that would be Kansas City's perhaps best chance of the three game series, you know, which, which again, I don't think it's, it's unreasonable to think that they went one out of three yet. Uh, you know, the nationals did it. I, I think the Royals certainly could do it. Um. It, you know, and maybe if the Rockies were playing the Reds right now, who knows? You know, the way that the Reds have, you know, and I'm using air quotes here, really rebounded so far. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, it, it's just such a fine line for the Rockies, knowing that they have to win so much at Coors to make up for what's going to happen on the road.
1: And that's, that's the thing with the team in general. I mean, how many times have we said about the depth of, okay, they could be a playoff team if this, 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 and this happens. But if one of those things doesn't happen, you're done. Yeah.
0: And that's the problem. It is. You know, and and again, and I'm knocking on some wood as I say this. You know, so far they have not had any entries with starting pitching. Uh, you know, which which I think that that could be the death knell for the Rockies, should there be any Injuries that happen with that, that a guy would miss a starter two, because there's just nobody that you feel confident right now bringing up. Um, you know, when when Feltner is perhaps your next best option until at least Peter Lambert gets healthier,
1: yeah, or I, I Ryan just, Rollison too, yeah, yeah, I just don't see it honestly. And I mean, even of the long guys, if you throw Shasin out there, are you throwing Ty Block into a starting role? I could do a, a Goodot. It's
0: yeah. And, and, you know, Bud could go with the opener type of thing. I mean, we saw it with Chassin one time last year. I mean, it certainly could yeah. happen, but then as you mentioned, this is Colorado's longest home stand of the year. So when you know, you've got multiple games coming up at course do you burn a guy like Chassin that, that you know is going to play a role in at least a couple of games uh, come out?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that'll be uh, something to look forward to uh, for the rest of the Homestand, they will be facing the Metropolitans. And then in the middle, they will be facing the Giants again. Um, Rockies, of course, do better against the Giants at Coors. Um, overall, in fact, if you look at the records, last year they didn't play well against them. They were two and seven against them at Coors Field, but previous years, four and two, three and six, again, not great, but eight and one, nine and one. Coincidentally, it was the years the Rockies made the playoffs. So, before that, five and four, five and five, five and four, seven and three. So, well, and
0: you know, whenever we talk about the Rockies having to win Coors, that's against the NL West as well. And obviously, you know, they they took the series from the Dodgers to start the season, uh, but they're going to have to do that time and time and time again. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, on the other side of the break, we will talk about some of the surprises we have seen so far, both good and bad, because. Believe it or not, 20% of the season is already over. So we'll talk about that here on the other side of this break. Back here on the Rock Spile Rockies report, Noah Yingling and Kevin Henry here with you. Of course, Kevin, as always, is traveling. Um, And he is in Spokane where we'll we'll, we'll tease this. We're going to have some uh, Spokane Indians coverage here in the next few days and in in the next few weeks um, as Kevin... Wasn't able to see any Indians games because they are actually in Oregon right now, not in Washington, (laughs) but still made some good connections.
0: But let's just say we connected with a good friend of the podcast, Otto Klein, uh, there with the the Indians front office, and we have some good things coming up. We also uh, were around for a fundraiser that they were doing to help support um, some of the nature initiatives that they have. Uh, Western or Eastern Washington, I said, should say. So it was good to catch up with them and do some planning for what is to come. And you'll be seeing that on Rocksball.com soon.
1: So, yes, there is that. And then as we mentioned right before the break, the Rocky season is 20% over. And as with all teams, there are some good things. There are some bad things. Rockies are 16 and 15. So it's right about dead center. If, Good and bad, but I don't think Well, I mean, going into the the season, we all expected the NL West would be a competitive division. I mean, we saw it last year as well, so it's nothing new, but 16 and 15 game over 500 and they're in last place.
0: I I don't think we saw Arizona doing what they're doing, you know, obviously I think that that's, that's been perhaps the surprise. And, And let's be honest, the San Diego Padres, I mean, we wondered what kind of impact Bob Melvin would have on this team. And I think we're seeing it early on now. Will it sustain, you know, for either one of those teams? I think that's the big question, but to me, those are the two big surprises in the NL
1: West right now. Especially with the Padres, because Bob Melvin hasn't been there the past few days. Cause he had a uh, prostate surgery. So he's going to be out for a little bit. Um, but yeah, he, um, the, the Padres entering Thursday were a game and a half back of the Dodgers. Um, three back in the loss column, same amount of wins. Um, giants were 19 and 12 diamondbacks are 17 and 15 Rockies were 16 and 15, but for the Rockies overall, we published it, uh, earlier today, meaning Thursday, um, for the good surprises for the team thus far. And I'd like to get your opinion on if you would have any additions or subtractions of the four that I had. I said, one, Chad Cool, Especially before yesterday's start where his ERA went up a run. He was leading the team in war on baseball reference. Now he's second on the team behind CJ Crone. Um, second was Daniel Bard. We weren't even sure if he'd be the closer this year and he's been good he's uh, second in the NL in saves entering Thursday and even he had a little bit of a clunker of an outing there in the last game in San Francisco but it was still overall he has a 3.18 ERA and a 294 FIP so a little bit of bad luck there offense overall and it, it went down after the San Francisco game of course it was they had a 103 OPS plus entering the game. Now they have an OPS plus 98, which that's a big difference. But again, beginning of the season. And then Jose Iglesias to play another one where coincidentally, all four things that I wrote about that were good did not were not good in the last game of the series. Because, of course, oh. I decided, OK, let's do those four. So because I chose them. They they played poorly because I'm a bad person, as we all know.
0: And and because you have that much power, of course, you know, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, I did a pre-call to the pen and (laughs) half the starters, I'm like, oh, clunker, clunker. That's just terrific. Like I said, I'm a bad person, so.
0: I think the biggest thing, uh, you know, that you the two mentioned was Chad Cool, and, and I think if any Rockies fan had sat back and said, "Here's what he would do at this point of the season," and you gave those numbers, everybody would have been thrilled with that. You know, he really has shown that he's he's been a good, you know. And, and again, let's remember this is the Rockies' fifth starter. You know, he really is somebody who's outperformed Ramon Marquez right now. You know, and, oh God, and, yes. mean, yeah. So I, I don't think it's it's out of the ordinary to say that none of us expected this kind of performance from Chad Cool. Now, again, will it last? And will Rockies continue to get out of him what they want? I think that's going to be a real key to this next portion of the schedule. Is what can Chad Cool keep bringing to the rotation?
1: Now, is there anyone that you would add or subtract in for that? Like for me, one of them I. I really thought about adding in there was Justin Lawrence, but the Rockies sent him down, even though yeah. if you look at ERA and FIP, he was their second best reliever after well, Tyler Kinley.
0: And, 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 you know, okay, so I was going to go Kinley uh, because, and not that it's really a surprise, but I think he really has uh, just grounded that back into the, the bullpen. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. I think he gets overlooked because he doesn't put up the saves or anything else. Uh, I will say that Lawrence has been a, a very pleasant surprise, and I I wish I understood the move other than just needing a lefty, but uh, I think Gilbert is showing right now that sophomore slump is real.
1: Yeah. So
0: it would not surprise me at all if Lawrence is back up pretty quickly.
1: Lawrence, the only problem, and it's been his problem in general, has been the walk rate. He's allowing seven and a third walks per nine innings. That's a bit high. That's why the whip is high, 1.54 but he's allowing fewer hits than he has walks. He'll, he's allowed 10 walks, nine hits. Um, and then he's striking out nearly 12 for nine innings as well. On the other end, which this will be publishing tomorrow. So if you, you listen to this before Friday, you'll get a behind the scenes look of who I have for my four bad surprises. And one of which is the aforementioned Herman Marquez. Six starts, 0-3 with a 647 ERA, 70 ERA plus. The FIP says he's having some bad luck, but by the FIP as well, he is still by far the worst Rockies pitcher. That FIP is 496, so that's a one-and-a-half difference. So is he having bad luck? Yes. Is he still pitching terribly? Yes. Whip, 1.68. He's allowing 12 and a half hits per nine innings, home run rate is up. It's more than double of anybody else on the staff. Uh, walk rate is about the same, but the strikeout rate is a little bit down as well uh, where it's been in years past. Last year it was 8.8 per nine innings. This year it's
0: 7.3. Well, and, and one of the things that we were talking about a little bit press box in San Francisco was, you know look back to that All-Star game performance with Herman. And what has happened after that? And if you really, yeah. And if you really start looking at, okay, let's take the second half of last season, the first half of this season and put it together as a season, that's not a picture that you would want in your rotation, you know? know. Yeah. So I I think there is some cause for concern uh, with Vermont. I really think that there is. And, and, I I think that he has every opportunity to turn it back around, but as of right now, he's certainly not showing the sign that that's going to just, you know, snap, and all of a sudden, things are going to get better, either.
1: 19 starts since the All-Star break last year, and his ERA is north of 6. Yeah. Because it's whatever I just said a minute ago of what it was for him this year, 6 and change, and for last year and his final 13 uh, 647 for this year. Um, for last year his final 13 starts after the All-Star break 6.12 ERA. Again, he had did have some bad luck. The FIP was 4.85, but still even if you translate to that an to an ERA is your ace a guy that is going to say give you a 4.9 era no that's that that means you don't have a good team or a good rotation
0: well and let's let's look back to opening day this year and so many people you know and, and i was one of them i'll admit i was surprised that kyle freeland got the opening day start and now we look back and we realize was that bud trying to light a fire a little bit under marquez was that bud trying to remind him that maybe you you know maybe the newspapers anointing you as the ace and the next great thing in Colorado need to take a little step back uh, you know so i I think that now in hindsight we realize that that it was the right call to have college your opening day starter, but that doesn't mean that it's really changed her mind, uh yet and and we haven't seen what they wanted out of him yet
1: yeah, so he is one of them um Another one is Chris Bryant yeah, and it's because he's been injured. Now he was hitting for a decent average before he went on the injured list, but he hadn't had any homers. and only had four RBI and he wasn't hitting for any power. So that was, that was a problem and we discussed it before on the last few podcasts of how, when I spoke with him in Detroit, um, it was actually, it was right after that. it was that it ended up being later that day he started feeling it in his back and he even told me that in the morning when i talked to him on that sunday he said yeah it, coming to sea level or relative sea level 600 feet in detroit um he said it feels so much better being here than in colorado just because i am not getting a ton of sleep in colorado there's And if you don't get a ton of sleep, then you aren't recovering as well. And then you feel more injuries. And then sure enough, he gets injured. Um, So that's been a disappointment so far, especially because of the amount of money that he's making. So that's part of it as well. Brendan Rogers, he's picked it up a little bit at the plate, but he really couldn't have been any worse than he was. So, I mean, he's still got an OPS plus of 28 on the year. And it was, I believe, zero entering the month of May. Uh, so, so far in the month of May, he's hitting 313 with a 781 OPS. So that will help things. Um, but again, the April was off to a slow start. And then finally, the defense. The defense has been uh, all around, it's been atrocious. And it's yeah. not just the players, I- I'll flat out say the coaching with the defensive positioning. It's been awful. You look at them like, okay, they were even talking in the Giants series. The Giants broadcasters, they're like, okay, they would have been able to turn the double play. Uh, I forget, I forget what play it was, um, but they said, oh yeah, they would have been able to turn the double play if the coaching staff actually would have put them in the correct place.
0: Yeah, and and I think whenever we talk about defense, we gotta we gotta talk a little bit about Ryback. You know, I mean, uh, certainly he is slumped to start the season defensively. Uh, No doubt about that. And so I think that, you know, as much as we propped him up last year, we've also got to say, well, it it hasn't been that start this year. But I definitely – I want to go back to Chris Bryant for just a minute because this is a guy that, you know, we still don't know when he's going to be back. Now the Rockies are in the midst of a long homestand, as we talked about before the break. So do you bring him back during a long homestand at altitude? Or do you, you know, make sure that he's really ready and maybe he joins on the next road trip? But even before he went on the I.L., I wouldn't say that he was a difference maker for the Rockies, nope. uh, you know, so.
1: Not I, defensively, I, especially.
0: No, no, I would say average at best. So, you know, again, we know he's got the potential to do it, obviously. But is it something that he actually can do? And will they bring you back over the next you know, 10 days uh, throughout this homestand? Uh, I, I would not be surprised if it's at the very end of the homestand or even whenever they do hit the road for Pittsburgh and Washington.
1: I, I would think that they will bring him back during this homestand, but it seems to be a lot worse of an injury than we thought. The, the complete speculation on my part. But, I mean, we were talking about on the last podcast last week. Yeah. of Okay, he could be back on this road trip. Oh, now he has to get a cortisone shot. Right. Oh, now he may or may not come back to this homestand. It doesn't yeah. sound like it's a minor thing. Well, he's definitely it not, might not be a major thing, but it's no. not, not a minor thing.
0: Well, and I think it's the healing process. You know, I think he's learning that healing at, at altitude is different than healing in Chicago or yeah. San Francisco. You know, so I, I think that's part of it as well. Um, and, and I also wonder what's going to happen to the lineup whenever he does come back. Will, will Bud slot him in a little lower? Uh, you know, or will he go back at the top middle of that lineup like he was whenever he left?
1: And another question, and we can talk about this as well, is what do you do with Jonathan Daza? If Bryant yeah. comes back, I mean, Hilliard hasn't been lighting the world on fire, but Grichik has been hitting well. Connor Joe has been hitting well. Blackman has not been great. No. Well. God knows he hasn't been great defensively. And if you I look don't. at raw OPS plus, Jonathan Daza is tied with Connor Joe for the Thank second you. highest on the team.
0: I, I don't think right now you can sit either one of them to be perfectly honest. And that's where I, I'll be honest. I think the Rockies are going. We don't have to rush Chris Bryant back because yeah. right now Daza and Brand, uh, uh, sorry. Daza, Daza
1: Gritchick. Gritchick,
0: and Joe. Yeah. Yeah, Dazza, Gritchick, and Joe are really your guys. You can still t- slot Charlie in because let's be honest, they are not going to bench Charlie. They're just not. So let's let's get that conversation out. Uh, uh, you know, he's always going to factor in the lineup somewhere, somehow. But if you bring back a Bryant, then obviously that cuts down the time for a, a Daza or a Joe. It just does.
1: And yeah, and that's the thing of when we were just talking about it with Justin Lawrence. Okay, he, by the results he's had so far, Lawrence is their second-best reliever on the season, but he's in Albuquerque yep. with the outfield. Are you, do you really want your three best guys out there and then put your fourth best is DH? Or, so we'll say your four best guys. If you're looking at your four best guys, Charlie Blackman's not there right now.
0: And, and certainly the homestand could help with that. It's very possible, but you're exactly right. And, and I think that Bud knows that, you know, but Bud's also walking that fine line between that veteran presence in the clubhouse and what Charlie means to the team and everything else. And, and you know, while, while there's always going to be that victory to chase, there's also something about making sure that there's not a, some kind of a faction of the clubhouse that you got to deal with as well.
1: In his last 12 games, Charlie Blackman is hitting 146 with a 420 OPS plus. Or 420 OPS. Um, So, and as we mentioned, defensively, he's been terrible. Yeah. I mean, he's been awful defensively. And another person we mentioned on the positive end, offensively, defensively, and some people are going to be stunned by it, but Jose Iglesias He has negative five defensive runs saved already. And when he was signed, how many times did we see where it was? Oh, he's a defensive guy first. And then you look at where I remember writing the article for that. I was like, holy hell, that's awful defensively. And sure enough, last year he had 119 games and negative 22 defensive runs saved. So yeah, big
0: problem. Oh, it is a big problem. And it's a problem the Rockies have to solve pretty quickly if they're going to do on this homestand what they're supposed to do. I think that's the, that's the biggest thing right there. So yep. we will be at Coors Field for this homestand. We're going to see how all this works out. Uh, obviously, we will bring you stories every day on rockspile.com as well as do some things probably with the Royals and the other teams coming in on calltothepen.com as well. Noah and I will both be taking care of that. And we will have another episode of the Rockspile Rockies Report during this homestand to see if the Rockies can really live up to those high expectations they have to at altitude. But until then, for my friend and partner, Noe Engling, it's Kevin Henry signing off for the Rockspile Rockies Report. And as always, go Rockies.